Welcome into another episode of Miked Up with Mellow and Big Country, brought to you by Mid America RV. Why work from home in your office could be in Yellowstone. Mid America RV is your gateway to adventure with their diverse selection of travel trailers, fifth wheels, teardrops, and toy haulers. They have the right size RV for any vehicle, all covered by their exclusive RV warranty forever. Game days, remote work getaways, and family vacations are all better in an RV from Mid-America RV. Experience travel like you never have before. Find out more at midamericarv.com. Absolutely. Next up is going to be downtown Lou. Make sure you visit them right here in the heart of Joppa, Missouri on 1st in Main Street. They do specialize in tires and lube, but they are much more than that. So be sure to visit their website at downtownlube.com for the full list of services. Not a matter of a matter of when you're going to need that oil change and those tire service. So get that taken care of right here in Joplin at Downtown Lube. I tried to Big take it nip. easier on the NIF, and I still hit it pretty hard. That was an accident. <laughs> that one that one was not on purpose. Uh, it felt intentional. It's yeah, not I, a matter was, of I was trying to be like, you know, let's hit him with, let's hit him with a big if this time, and I still did the nah, and I was like, nah, not good, not good at all. It sounds like though, uh, everything's working pretty good. Back to back weeks of doing this apart, uh, I almost messed it up with leaving the room there on accident. My forearm accidentally hit it. Uh, Got a backhoe just in time. Worked out well. <laughs> and we appreciate you guys joining us wherever you are. Um, Wherever you listen to the podcast, whenever you listen to the podcast, uh, it could be Apple, Spotify, right here in the call-in app. And I also appreciate the people uh, in the chat, Sly already in the chat, dropping some uh, sick jokes. <laughs> hey, All those right. are my kind of jokes right there. <laughs> like, I used to hit those at uh, my job in Kansas City when I lived there. Mark that off the bingo board. There uh, we go. And it was actually last week, you know, I messaged my coworkers, my old boss and one of the girls that still works there. And I was just like, hey, you know, I just heard about what happened in Kansas City. Like, I hope you guys are doing all right. And they both responded like, well, what's what's going on? Like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, you guys didn't see the news? And they were like, no. I said, yeah, I heard there was like a, a, a big car crash and a trailer full of camels got out and were on the loose. And then I immediately was like, nah, just kidding, happy hump day. And apparently my former boss, she was on maternity leave, and that was her first day back in the office. And so I hit it with that, just perfect timing. Couldn't have asked for a better joke. So you know me, old big jokester. I'm proud of you. Today we will preview the NFC and AFC South, um, maybe to the two worst divisions in all of football, (laughs) but we're going to talk about them uh, today. I was not, like, excited at all to put in my answers. Like, we do a division MVP. It's like, um, does anybody win? I had it left blank until about five minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll preview those. Um, But I did want to start with uh, talking about some – some of our guys that we're interested in, the, the Chris Jones uh, holdout situation, it, it's starting to look pretty rough, it, where Chris Jones is even posting on social media and, and talking about he's not afraid to hold out and take this thing into the season, which is uh, kind of scary if you're a Chiefs fan. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that he's willing to take it you know, through camp, which I think was a surprise to everybody, including Andy Reid and Brett Veach. You know, I saw some reports that Andy Reid was kind of surprised that he didn't report to camp because they thought he would. They thought that this would kind of be over with to this point, and it hasn't. And now he's on social media saying, that, hey, like, I can afford the fines. It's no big deal, or I'm going to stick until stick to this until I'm eight weeks into the season, which is going to be just a ton of money for him. And you're sitting here looking at it going, like, what is happening with Kansas City? And – we, we might dive into this here in a little bit, like the Swamp Kings episode. You know, you're sitting there watching it, and you see 
one one thing that happens that led to the demise of the dynasty for the Florida Gators or what could have been three national championships in four years. I'm sitting here watching the Kansas City Chiefs thinking literally a week ago going, man, I might have to put a new Homer segment onto the, the podcast this week just because there's so much that I'm excited about. And now I'm sitting here looking at this stuff with Chris Jones going, is this the, the end of the dynasty of you know what could potentially be for Kansas City because – They've not had to deal with anything like this, and that, it does sound dramatic, but it's also in the sense of there's not been anyone off the field that's been selfish in terms of I want all the money. There's been these hometown deals kind of thing where Patrick Mahomes leaves room on the table for Chris Jones to get a deal. You're not signing these big contracts or extending these dudes. You're making the right decisions. And now you got Chris Jones, which just kind of feels like right now, selfishly, he's disrupting everything. I get it. you got to get your money, but at the same time, it's, you can't say you want to win all these championships and you want to be in Kansas City for the rest of your career and you're also sitting here just playing hardball with everything and there's zero communication going on. Someone's got to step yeah, up and, I, and take a deal or make the right decision for it. It's It's been weird. I didn't expect it to go this far. Uh, I figured that mm-hmm. you know, we all saw a picture he uh, put on his Instagram a couple weeks ago. And it was like, oh, okay, Chris Jones is probably going to report to camp. Like It looks like he's at an airport. He's mm-hmm. probably going to report – um, trying to get his contract and I see like looking at it from a, a personal side of Chris Jones, this is probably his last opportunity to get a big contract in the NFL. He's 29 years old. So like, this is his chance for a big deal, but also it does suck because you are, you know, you and I both are our chiefs fans and you want him there. Uh, he had 15 and a half sacks last season. You want that on your defense. And I think it's interesting, too, though, just looking at it from a football perspective. Because even Andy Reid pretty much came out and said, like, we didn't expect this to go on that long. Or maybe it was Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Like, we didn't expect it to go on. We, we kind of thought he'd report back. And uh, he hasn't. And the flex by him is, I, I've got the money. Like, I'll sit it out. And that's, <laughs> God, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, even Tyler said day. it in the – Tyler said in the chat, like, I got the money is a hell of a brag by Chris Jones. And it is. Like, that's a hilarious thing to say back to, you know, someone trying to troll you on social media. Be like, I got the money or, like, I can afford it. Like, yeah. damn. I love things, I love when things contradict themselves. Like Chris <laughs> Jones here. Like, if you've got the money, why are you holding out for money, dog? Exactly. Like, yeah. it, report to camp. <laughs> if money's not I got a the big money deal. To- <laughs> I got the money to afford the fines so I can ask for more money. How much money do we need, man? But, like, mm-hmm. you know, in all in all, it's like we're coming off as very, like, team-friendly here, choosing the team side when we've both, you know, in the past gone, like, hey, players deserve their money. These careers are short-lived. You're not doing much after this. Get all the money while you can. Like, I get it from that sense, too, and this is truly his last opportunity to get a big payday, and whether it's with Kansas City or somebody else. The thing that just makes me the most uncomfortable is Andy Reid saying today that there's been zero communication. And I don't know whose side that's on more or less, you know, of who's deciding to just hardball and be like, yeah, we're not we're not talking until we come to an agreement or mutual understanding of kind of where we're at here. It's just the fact that it's reached this point with a player that you know is the face of your defense mm-hmm. and could yeah. have easily been defensive player of the year last year. Yeah. I, I did see that Chris uh, – sorry, Patrick Mahomes is 6-2 and two in eight games without Chris Jones. So sounds like the Chiefs are still going to be in good shape. I'm, I'm – <laughs> I really like Chris Jones. Yeah. I don't think that there's anybody outside the quarterback position that can change the outcome of a season. Uh, if the Chiefs are a Super Bowl contending team, 
the only person on that that can really affect it is Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. Same for the Bengals. Like Jamar Chase is great for the Bengals. They can still win a Super Bowl without Jamar Chase. Uh, we watched you know the Rams with Odo Beckham going down. You can still win a Super Bowl without these other yeah. superstars. If you yep. if you got your quarterback and fifteen still showing up every Sunday. Or Thursday and Monday, I guess, because they play all the time. Uh, I, the Chiefs are still in good shape. It's, so I I hope that they can get Chris Jones back. He's, he's a great player. I hope he can get paid. But as Andy Reid also said, the game goes on. <laughs> um, sorry about you, man. Like You're a defensive tackle. We miss your 15 and a half sacks. But you've the game's going to go on. And yep. the same thing is happening in Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the Colts gave him permission this week. To seek a trade, and this is another one of those things that contradicts itself, because the Colts say, we don't want to pay you, we don't want to extend you, you're not valuable enough for us to do that. So they say, go get a trade. But in return, we want a first-round pick. Like, Mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey didn't go for a first-round pick. Uh, So they're saying, like, hey, this guy's very valuable, come get him. Not valuable enough for us to pay him, but if somebody else wants to pay him, there's all kinds of value in this young running back. Yeah, which is just, you know, you talk about just contradicting what you're doing there. That's exactly what the Colts are in the situation. Is we, we want in return what you're worth, but we're not willing to pay you what you're worth. And I think it was Kyle Brandt that had went on that kind of tangent this morning on Good Morning Football. Um, and, it, you know, it's just kind of those situations where you're like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. Like, this is the exact scenario. That's a perfect analogy for it. But at the same time, I'm sitting here going, like, what other teams – that are willing to trade for Jonathan Taylor to add him as a contending piece to your organization in a position where you can pay him what he's worth for a contract? Or is it just going to be a, hey, you're going to come here and sign a franchise tag, ball out, let's try and go for a Super Bowl, go get your money next year. He's not going to want that. He's not going to approve of it. He's going to sign the franchise tag, be traded, and then immediately want the extension there. There's not a lot of teams that are set up to go on a Super Bowl run that can afford that. And I would assume a lot of times with guys like Jonathan Taylor, he's going to want that contract before he gets traded. Oh, for and, sure. And the teams, you know, are probably going to want to negotiate that contract too before he gets traded. I did see earlier uh, that there are six teams interested and two have made an offer. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a first-round offer. Uh, they could have, you know, come with a, a second and a fourth, which is uh, I think that's around what Christian McCaffrey went for. Uh, but yeah. he was coming off like an injury and things like that. Christian McCaffrey was a little bit, I think, older than what Jonathan Taylor is right now. So it's a, a little bit of a different situation. But it is, it's another one of those funny, contradicting things of, no, we don't think Jonathan Taylor's good enough to pay him. But he's good enough to get a first-round return. <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people are looking at the Miami Dolphins uh, and Mike McDaniel, what he's done with that run game there, of adding another weapon around Tua. And I think that that could be a really good fit. I don't know if it's a a first-round fit, but I would like that. I mean, even going back and keep comparing this to Christian McCaffrey, but when we saw him get in that offense with the 49ers, he's been lights out. And I think if you can put Jonathan Taylor in the Dolphins' offense, that's going to really help that offense. I mean, you already have Tyreek Hill. You already have uh, Jalen Waddell. And now you add Jonathan Taylor to it. Uh, and I think that is a team that can compete in the AFC East, which is just a dynamite division right now. I mean, you've Absolutely. got uh, already uh, the Bills, who have been great, the Jets, who look great, 
Mm-hmm. And then Bill Belichick is still the coach of the Patriots, and they might be the worst team in that division. So the Jonathan Taylor stuff is interesting, and we're just we're not too far away from the regular season starting. I, I think it's uh, fifteen days. Yeah, I mean it's it's right around the corner. It, do you make a deal for these guys like Chris Jones? Like, what's the market on Chris Jones? I don't think he's worth a first round pick either. So I guess second and surely, surely he'll be at least one, a first and a fourth, maybe. I wouldn't do it for an interior defensive lineman. He does. I I mean, maybe his pass rush does disrupt a lot of offenses, you know, which Kansas City hasn't really had the the outside rush there, even with Frank Clark. You know, you never saw it until the playoffs. And there wasn't anyone on the opposite side of that either. It was just Chris Jones wrecking havoc in the middle of the field. Now, he's not great against the run, but. I'm sitting here thinking of, you know, what's a team organization that has shown the willingness to get rid of first-round picks to get in star-studded players? The Los Angeles Rams are the first team that come to mind. You know, another team that's got two first-round picks this year, the Arizona Cardinals, they could use an interior defensive guy. You would have an immediate answer right there, and then you can use your other pick, which is probably going to be the first pick or pretty daggum close up there if it's your own. And there's your quarterback in Caleb Williams if he decides to come out, which news came out this afternoon that eh, he might make the decision to go back to college. I wouldn't blame him for that. But, you know, I mentioned the Rams there and their willingness to, to get rid of first-round picks and just pay the guy. And it's exactly what Jesse said here in the chat. Pay the man seems to be the theme of this offseason more so than previous seasons. The Rams have been the team to continue to prove that of like we're gonna make a we're gonna make it work to where we can pay these guys and we're just gonna go from there. And another team that's shown that has been the Dolphins. So you mentioning Jonathan Taylor yeah. to the Dolphins makes sense where, hey yeah, we're screw these draft picks, so let's go get some players and make a true run here. It just sucks when that this division is more so loaded than what the nine or the Rams were when they decided to do that. Yeah. I don't think the Cardinals would make a move on anybody just because I they know those picks are going to be high. And even mm-hmm. their own pick, I, I think they already assume that's going to be a super high pick. You're not dealing the Texans pick because it's going to be a high one as well. And you probably wouldn't send Jonathan Taylor or Chris Jones to the NFC uh, to get some uh, guys in return there. I just, it's so late. I, I think we end up seeing both of these guys. I, uh, I think Chris Jones goes back to the Chiefs for sure. I feel confident in that one. Then it might be week eight or nine or whenever he gets to come back. Uh, eventually, he's going to do it. And as a Chiefs fan, I'm okay with that. If you yeah. want to keep him fresh until week eight, week nine, play him back into shape as long as he's good to go for the playoffs because I feel pretty confident that the Chiefs can make the playoffs without Chris Jones. This year. Yeah, And another thing to remember, too, for Chiefs fans is Charles Aminihu has suspended the first six games. So your interior pass rush or run game is – non-existent for those first six weeks uh, for whenever Chris Jones and Charles Minnie are not there, if that is the decision they make. And you're expecting a lot of young guys to be making some plays early and often. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another young guy that will not be making plays early or often or potentially ever for the San Francisco 49ers (laughs) uh, is Trey Lance, Uh, a guy that I've loved throughout his uh, entire uh, since I knew he was a thing, Uh, since watching his film at North Dakota State and just thinking, all right, this guy is – special. Uh, He was named QB3 today for the San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy going to get the start. And then the big surprise one, I think a lot of people maybe even assumed that Purdy was going to be the starter. But the one that came down earlier uh, this evening is that Sam Darnold is going to be QB2. He's the backup. 
Uh, I don't know if you try to get something going now with Trey Lance and try to trade him to a team. Do you do it, uh, I guess, probably during the season? You're, just, you're waiting and you're hoping that some team has their quarterback injured or somebody uh, doesn't perform like you thought they would and that somebody's going to come offering something to the San Francisco 49ers because they gave up a whole lot to get this kid. And now he's QB3 just already. I, what is this, th- three years that he's been in the league? Yep. In this the 49ers, they gave season. up yep. three first-round picks to draft Trey Lance, number three overall. And Warren Sharp put out a tweet earlier today uh, talking about it. Like, as if that's not bad enough that you gave up three first-round picks and missed on a quarterback. But the next ten draft picks in that draft were Kyle Pitts, <laughs> Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Penny Sewell, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan, Devontae Smith, Justin Fields, Micah Parsons, and Rashawn Slater. Like, those next couple ten picks, all of them have hit. Like, Could even you if imagine you look at like, Justin Fields on that offense right now? Who, buddy? Or Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa on the same defense? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah I mean... Put any of these guys. Put Jamar Chase on there. I know you don't need a lot of receivers in San Francisco because they've got them. But even just like any other pick, you could almost justify them spending three first-round picks to get any of them. Yeah. Like three first-round picks, but you put Micah Parsons on this defense? Yep. Like you can't get Micah Parsons for three first-round picks right now. And <laughs> no. It, it, it sucks. And I, I'm kind of poking fun at the 49ers, too, but I was wrong. I, I thought Trey Lance was going to be a good pick. I, I even named him a couple weeks ago. I was like, I think he's going to be the breakout guy. Like Once he gets on the field, I thought once he started playing in the preseason, we would see something special. And that he yep. just probably wasn't a practice player. A lot of people aren't. But it turns out he's not a practice player or a game player. It's just he dominated at – North Dakota State, and we're probably not going to see much of him in the NFL. I, I hope he gets another chance, but I just don't know if we're going to see it from Trey. And my thing with it, too, though, is, is like, has he gotten a fair chance there in San Francisco? I know it's three years. You know, right. surely you'd make a mark by that point. But like, he has been battling injuries. Last year it was the elbow injury. You know, Brock Purdy comes in, plays fantastic. We know that. But we also knew with Trey Lance coming from North Dakota State, to this level of play that it was going to take a little bit to do so. And whether it was Kyle Shanahan being stubborn, because we both know the reports of he wanted, he wanted Mac Jones. He didn't want Trey Lance. John Lynch kind of went rogue on that decision of being like, this is the guy that I want. This is the guy I'm going to take. You're going to deal with it. Is this just Kyle Shanahan being like middle finger to John Lynch? Like you didn't get the guy I wanted. I've got it right here with mystery relevant, which I'm going to assume he was kind of in on as well. And that was like his pick at the end of the draft. And, it's panned out for him. So I almost feel bad for Trey Lance. And then the other question with it here, before I'll let you answer here, I'm sorry to keep cutting you off, is who's going to trade for him? Immediate answer in my mind, the guy who was there as your offensive coordinator right there in Miami. If Tua can't make it happen and he gets injured again or whatnot, boom. Yeah, we'll go get a rookie guy right here that we could sign, you know, on a, another small extension of something that happens just to see what pans out if he can stay healthy. And Trey Lance is still super young, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, he came out and he was young. So uh, he's still a guy that could probably play. For me, a lot of this feels very similar to what was going on in Washington when they drafted RG3. But it was like, okay, but Kyle Shanahan's also going to draft his guy, and it's Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And like Mike, uh, sorry, not, not Mike Ryan, Matt Ryan 
he was the Kyle Shanahan prototype. Like he likes yep. those kind of boring drop back quarterbacks. But you know what? He keeps making them pretty good. Uh, even with Jimmy Garoppolo, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo was decent with the 49ers. They made it to a Super Bowl uh, with him. So maybe Brock Purdy is the guy. I, I, I don't know, but it's it's weird. It does remind me a lot of the Washington uh, Redskins at the time with Shanahan picking his guy and kind of rolling with him. And, and Brock Purdy, he did a damn good job last year when he was in there. So yeah. I think he's earned it for sure. But with Trey Lance, I, I hope he gets another shot. You know, a team like the Dolphins, maybe you send him that way. You hate to put this on anyone. I don't even want to mention it, but if Tua gets injured, that man is mm-hmm. a concussion away from never playing football again. Like you, you almost have to talk about it. So I think it could be a situation where you have to look at it and see. I, almost everybody else in the AFC is set. Denver Broncos. If Sean Payton can't fix Russell Wilson, <laughs> Trey Lance – Perfect situation for him. John Lynch played there. New ownership, new coach, future. John Lynch still loves Denver. Maybe you send him there. Yeah, maybe so. Or uh, he's QB3. You, you'd probably feel a little bit confident sending him somewhere in the NFC. Uh, probably not within your division, but I, I don't think you have to worry about that at all. But even a team like... Um, the Falcons, if it's not working with Desmond Ritter, maybe you can make a move. Uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, maybe it doesn't work out for him this year. You can make a move there. Jared Goff's going to be a free agent soon. Uh, so there are some options. Who knows if if Trey Lance will even get a look as a starter. I mean, he's never been a starter in the NFL. He might have to go that kind of Marcus Mariota route of, all right, you, you didn't really pan out as a draft pick. Now you're going to have to go be a backup somewhere and yeah. improve yourself again in the league. It maybe maybe that's the best case scenario for him right now. Rooting for him, he seems like a nice kid. I know Colin Cowherd got to meet him. And always says that he's nice, <laughs> so I'll, I'll take Colin's word for yeah. that. Uh, also, I wanted to talk about today Swamp Kings. I, I, a lot of us were very excited about it. Uh, I even told my fiance yesterday. It's like, hey, I'm sorry, I have to watch Hard Knocks and I have to watch Swamp Kings tonight. So I'm losing about two hours of time that I'm just going to devote to watching football already. It's not even September. Watched Hard Knocks. Thought it was pretty good. Uh, I thought they started to get more back into the blueprint of like, sure. okay, here's a guy that is kind of on yep. the verge. Is he going to make the team? <laughs> he says a word funny. Is he going to do it? So that I kind of checked out on that. I still love Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. They, yep. they are stealing the show for me. Aaron Rodgers is still good. But – it did take a little bit away from the show when it was like, okay, here's this guy who's on the fringe of making the roster. Like HBO, we're going to know if he gets cut. Yeah. You don't need to build up this story. We're all going to know when he gets released. Yeah, it, which is going to be shock us. four days before your episode comes out. Exactly. It, I mean, it might be more than that even. So it was okay. Uh, Hard Knocks this week was okay. Uh, Swamp Kings, though. I, I think you and I have different opinions on Swamp Kings because you, if I'm not mistaken, you enjoyed it, right? I did. And for me, the reason I did uh, was just due to the fact that when Florida was good, I mean, when was that? Like 07, 08, 09? Like I was in middle school. I'm in prime middle school, like becoming more aware of like how football works and how it's truly played instead of just throwing on some pads and 
you know, you're playing rec ball with some other kids and it's really, you, you don't have a freaking clue what's going on or what you're doing. You just know, yep, I'm on the offensive line. I blocked this guy standing in front of him. Don't let him buy me. That's about it. I didn't know the recruiting aspects of football. I didn't know the off field. I didn't know all the news of what was surrounding Florida. I didn't really know much about Urban Meyer either. And, you know, as you get older, of course, you learn more about it. You become more aware of it. But with this, it was I thought it was really cool to see how Florida was good in the 90s and then sucked leading up to this point. Urban Meyer comes in and completely flips it around almost immediately. Um, and then you get the inside view of his perspective on things, Tim Tebow coming in with his recruitment, that recruitment class, the next couple, and then just how the leaders of that team really made such an impact in Florida transitioning into becoming what it did. So from that point of view, to me, I thought was really neat getting to see the narration through the season and what they're doing and experiencing leading up to these big games, like the Georgia uh, and Florida matchup that was there where Georgia like just rocked them. And then the next year, Georgia kind of overlooked them or whatnot, and then Florida rocks them. And then it was the same thing with Alabama and then the loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game, which ended the dynasty for Florida and Urban Meyer being there. So I thought that was super cool to see. But now that I've, you know, been a day off of it, I'm sitting here really looking at it going, this was a complete publicity stunt, get back into coaching and to be viewed in a positive light. And for these players that were selected to interview, pretty much agreed to not talk shit on the university, the coaching staff, or how things Mm -hmm. were done. You see it from the leader's point of view. And that's it. You don't really hear about anything else off the field. You don't hear about mm-hmm. what was going on in the locker room. You know, there's these little tidbits of things where it was like, yeah, there were full-out fistfights in the locker room. If you weren't doing your job, you got the shit kicked out of you in the weight room too. And you're sitting here like, what? Like Urban Meyer was just like, yeah, this is how we run a program. It's going to be the hardest program in the country. I didn't think that entailed you getting freaking power-drived into your locker by your teammates because you didn't go hard enough in weights this morning. It's like, what the F is going on here? For me, and I think a lot of other viewers too, we've been waiting on this documentary of, okay, let's talk about the Florida off-field stuff. Like Mm -hmm. the the on-field stuff, it was pretty exciting. Like they won a national championship, and it was cool. Tim Tebow won a Heisman. It's great. But it it felt like, like an Urban Meyer production. Like Peyton Manning has his own production company. This felt like yeah. Urban Meyer was sitting in the room and being like, nope, don't put that in there. Yeah. Don't talk about Aaron Hernandez. Don't talk about the Pouncey brothers. Uh, don't talk about anything else that uh, you know people were getting in trouble for. Don't talk about how uh, I faked some injuries and headaches and then um, abruptly left when things started to get bad. Like He talks about rebuilding the, the Florida program. How about that you left it in uh, shit? And then just dip yeah. because you hurt your back or whatever. Uh, so I've, I've, been, I've been waiting for years for somebody to talk about the off-field stuff with Florida. And, like, the build-up stuff, I'm sorry if we have any Florida Gator fans that are listening because I'm about to shit on your program. <laughs> they talk about Florida being like a powerhouse during this time. <laughs> no, <laughs> you weren't. Uh, like, this wasn't like Texas and USC before them. It wasn't like Alabama after them. It was like four years where they were pretty good in the SEC and won a championship. It's not yep. what we're seeing now with even Georgia. Uh, so it just it really felt like propaganda. Like, if you're, if you're a Florida Gators fan, you probably loved it. If you're yeah. not a Florida Gators fan, you're probably sitting there thinking, like, 
All right, where's all the stuff about players getting in trouble? Aaron Hernandez murdered people, and we're not mm-hmm. even going to, like, talk about him. He was on the team at yeah. the time. Or, I mean, it's just – so it was a letdown for me. I actually uh, – I watched Hard Knocks, which comes on at 9 o'clock Central Time. I finished Hard Knocks, and I turned on Swamp Kings. And I fell asleep before the first episode was over. So, I mean, really? yeah. And, I, I mean, I love football. I love college football. I like Tim Tebow, too. Like, his story is cool. Going through his recruitment, I was kind of awake for, like, some of that when they were talking. But it, just, it all felt like, okay, here's Urban Meyer, and he's trying to get back in the spotlight. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing that really surprised me with it and that I honestly just didn't remember – at the time is that when he left Florida, he changed his mind and came back. And then they had a dog shit year the next season. And then he left. And then it was the next year he's at Ohio state. Yeah. I didn't realize it was boom, boom, boom. in those situations, you know, over time, it felt like it was, there was so much more spaced out. And then three years of being at Ohio state or less than that, he's already winning a national title. And so I just, didn't realize it was all so close in time with him leaving Florida and then joining Ohio State. You know, I remember him joining Ohio State with it. He's the Ohio kid. He's coming back home. Ohio State's his home school. Da 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 da. But like now, you're sitting here watching it and you see you see the way it ends. And he has the last word before the entire series is over. And once that happened, I kind of thought like this dude's going to be a coach again in college football in about three years. And I messaged you guys and said, like, if Sarkeesian doesn't make it work at Texas this next year, I would not be surprised at all if there are some Texas boosters that are like, we don't care what's happened in the past. We could honestly probably use that to bring Texas back, make us some, you know, make us a contender, make us good again, bring him here. We'll pay whatever. We'll deal with the publicity. You know, we'll deal with the negative media. It's fine if we can win a national title. I could very well see that happening to Texas. I hope not either, because I, I kind of want to see Sarkeesian be good and then carry on in the, the SEC with Sarkeesian coming from Saban and making it happen and going on that run. But with what everyone wants for the Florida Gators documentary, where we want all the off-field issues, we want all that discussion, we want to hear it from the players like a true last dance situation, that's going to take another 30 to 40 years. Like You're going to have to make sure that none of these players care, one, about – their media personality anymore like tim tebow working on tv mm-hmm. like if he that's probably career suicide right. in a sense of admitting some of the stuff that was going on and the pouncy twins you know they're not far out of it a lot of these guys is going to regurgitate or resurge their cream you know meaningful people in the florida gators football program they're probably going to be doing these speaking events and getting paid you're going to have to get past all that when these guys have made their money they're done with the fame. They're not chasing anything. Urban Meyer's no longer coaching. He just flat out doesn't give a crap anymore, or these players don't give a crap about him, and then we'll get the truth about everything. And it just stinks to realize that we'll probably be in our 40s or 50s before that happens, even 60s. Yeah. And another just last parting shot here. Uh, it begins in their, the whole series. They're talking about how, like, this is just not like the Florida standard. Like, they're so good in the 90s. <laughs> And um, Ron Zook, who was there before Urban Meyer, went seven and five. And they're, they're talking right to begin the series. Mm-hmm. This is just not what we do here in Florida. That's not how we play Florida football. Urban Meyer's last year at Florida, he went eight and five. 
Like, but yeah, let's talk about how like he built this powerhouse and like he's a god in Gainesville. No, like, <laughs> things were not good. You you got Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was great for four years, mm-hmm. and then that's it. That's uh, that's all you had at at Florida. So it was just it was a letdown for me. It was kind of cool uh, to see like the the behind the scenes look, but it just it wasn't what I wanted it to be. So I don't even know if I'll watch the other episodes. I only got to episode yeah. one. So if uh, you were we'll annoyed see. through that, you're probably going to be annoyed with the rest of the series, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I, so. I just honestly, I probably I'm not going to do it. I'll do something <laughs> else. I'll watch Hard Knocks and become an Aaron Rodgers it's over or with. something. Uh, all right, let's do preview uh, some South Division teams. Let's start with the NFC South. You and I both agree on this one. Uh, we have the Saints winning this division. When I look at these other teams, it's just everybody's so young. I like what the Falcons are doing, but they're so young. I, I like what mm-hmm. the Panthers are doing with Bryce Young. So young, like a rookie quarterback. I just don't know if he's going to do it. And then there's the Buccaneers. It feels like the Bucks are a year away from doing a total rebuild. Where they're they're probably going to fire their coaching staff. They're going to Baker Mayfield's is probably not going to be the guy. And they're a year away from a total rebuild. Like, they might win some games this year. But I just can't really see the Bucks or the Panthers winning this division just yet. And I think maybe the Falcons could surprise you. But for me, it's, it's the Saints who bring in uh, Derek Carr. I, I think that they can be good enough to win this division. Like, they're going to get bounced the first playoff game they have. But I have the Saints winning this division. <laughs> I, I completely agree with all that. You know, the Falcons, they're, they're an interesting story. There's a lot of excitement for me for the Falcons heading into this season. The Carolina Panthers, um, I'm just I'm worried for the safety of Bryce Young in the NFL. Like, even seeing it on Hard Knocks last week's episode, not this week, last week, where he's just getting annihilated by the Jets' defensive line. Um, and we talked about it a little bit, but, like, this dude's taking some serious shots, and this is in the preseason. You're going to get to the regular season. You're going to deal with that for 16, 17 weeks. I don't think it's going to be good for him, especially with an offensive line that isn't fully built and prepared to protect him in a situation of just the longevity of a season. I just don't think the offensive line is that good. And then it's like you look at the Saints, it's like they're the only team that has veteran leadership and true veteran presence that you can rely on to make plays week in and Uh week out. Like the Buccaneers – the veteran is there on the defense and your weapons, but like quarterback-wise with Baker Mayfield, we know at week eight, week nine, there's going to be some type of controversy with him where he's going to be in the media and he's going to say something stupid in the press room and everyone's going to have run a with bad it. game. And then, exactly, yeah. and it's just like that's going to be a distraction. And if you can hear my dog being a distraction in the background, <laughs> yeah. I apologize because he has not stopped moving. And if his nails are just <laughs> click-clacking on the floor – I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And for me, even looking at the Saints, like I'm picking them to win this division. They have my least favorite coach in this division. Like Dennis Allen might be the worst coach, but they just, I think they still have enough on that roster to win. And I'm not a huge Derek Carr fan, but I think that he's, right now, he's the best quarterback in that division. So I feel confident saying that he's going to be the division MVP um, as well. And, Who knows what kind of rebound he gets uh, in a new offense. Uh, I like the kind of chip-on-your-shoulder type deal where he he wants a redemption. And so I would like to see Derek Carr have a good year. And winning the MVP in this division, not saying much. But I have Derek Carr winning it. 
for me, I went with Alvin Kamara, and it's not even like a confident vote. It was wanting to be different than Derek Carr, but I don't see anyone else in this division truly being the MVP. So I went with Alvin Kamara just due to the fact of, hey, he comes off his suspension. He makes some splash plays. He's returned. He's the guy there for this offense going forward. Great passing or great catching back for Derek Carr to throw the ball to, and he's going to make plays on the ground as well with the solid offensive line. I could see him, everyone being like, here's the reason for the Saints' success. you got to keep Alvin healthy. This is what happens when he's back on the field. And that's why I have him as the MVP. And then for defensive uh, defensive player of the year for this division here, I went with Jesse Bates. I'm not going to lie. I almost forgot that he went to the Falcons. I did forget mm-hmm. up until last week when I saw like someone post the addition for the Atlanta Falcons. And it is quite a bit there where the more you look at it, you go like, all right, hey, actually the Falcons kind of did something this offseason. It's not anything special. It's not anything fantastic. But they did some stuff that could work out for them later down the road and kind of rebuilding this team and organization. But I think Jesse Bates is a guy who was very undervalued in Cincinnati. And, you know, you have Cincinnati fans at the moment you said, hey, Jesse Bates, one of the best safeties in the league. They're like, yeah, no shit, we've been saying this. It's like, well, duh, you're the fans of it. Like, calm down. Now that he's here in Atlanta and in this division, he could be like just the splash player for this team that helps change everything for the Falcons going forward. Yeah. I think that he is one of the best safeties in the league, too. It's nice to see a guy go uh, where he's where he's going to get paid, uh, even though everything we just said about Chris Jones earlier. Uh, but my <laughs> I kind of smirked in the moment you said that. <laughs> right? Uh, he's not my team, so I, I don't care. He can go get paid, especially since he's not in the AFC anymore. Uh, my division MVP, I'm going with Brian Burns. Uh, he had a quiet 12-and-a-half sacks last year. Uh, made his second Pro Bowl. He's still a young guy that I think that he is he's about due for a real breakout season uh, where we see him do something special, where he's getting to you know 15 sacks or so. But he's going to be my division MVP. And looking at rookie of the year in this division, uh, to me it was super easy. Like You could go with Bryce Young, but I think he's going to have his struggles. Uh, even if he is pretty good and has a solid rookie season, I don't think he's about to put on the show that Bijan Robinson is. And yeah. I think that he's going to be, I mean, a lot of us are looking at, at fantasy stuff already. Like, he's going to be a first-round running back. He's more impressive in camp than people thought he was going to be. And he was drafted in the top ten. Like, he is a very impressive running back. I think that he could have 1,800 total yards. Uh, split it up however you want. It might be 1,000 yards Rushing and 800 yards receiving. Might be 1,200 rushing, 600 receiving. I think that he is going to be a star, not just the rookie of the year within this division, but probably the rookie of the year in the entire league. Yeah, which is going to be a lot of fun for us Texas fans. But, I mean, this guy's first carry in the National Football League in a preseason game goes for 12 yards, and he made three people miss. You're like, oh, shit, we're going to see that every carry for him? Everything that he did last year at Texas – was behind an offensive line that was full of freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. They, I, I think that the offensive line at Texas this year is going to be pretty solid. I'm excited about it as a fan. But watching Bijan Robinson create behind that young offensive line is one of the reasons why you see him and you're like, damn, this dude is, he is special. He's different. And that's why I said teams should uh, take him in the first round. But I, I definitely think that he's the. He's the rookie of the year coming out of this division, and probably all of football. And maybe that's a little bit of me being a fan, but I just, I've watched every game this kid played in college. Yeah, I've watched yeah. some of them two, three times to scout him. <laughs> there are not many running backs that do what he does. 
And I compared him to LaDainian Tomlinson when he was coming out in the draft. I, he's better than guys like Najee Harris. He's going to be an instant star in the NFL. Like He might be the guy that brings back the running back position. I'm like, oh, okay, Ooh. we can draft these guys high. And you know what? We're going to pay him, too. We don't want him <laughs> leaving to go to a different team. We're going to pay him and bring back the running back position. Yep. Old Mr. Bijan, Dijon Mustard. I'll just, yeah. every time I, we talk about Bijan Robinson, that's the first thing that comes to mind. We're just like, why Mustard? And you're like, well, it's Dijon Mustard. And I'm like, ew. And you're like, his name's Bijan. I was like, ah, makes sense. All right. It rhymes, dog. <laughs> uh, coach of the year. Uh, we already talked a little bit about coaches. Uh, Dennis Allen, for me, I, just, I have the Saints winning this division. I think they're going to win it by winning nine or ten games. I, I, I don't expect the Saints to come out rolling or, or doing anything too exciting here this season. But I am going to pick Frank Wright as my coach of the year just because I, I really like what he was able to do in his time uh, with the Colts. I think it was probably a time for some change. But I also think that this Panthers team, even without winning the division, if they run into six, seven, maybe eight wins, he can still be the coach of the year within this division because they might be right there in it, even though they have a very young team. Yep, and I completely agree with that as well. But for me, I went with Arthur Smith. Just due to the fact that if the Falcons can live up to the little bit of potential that is there for them, you know, with the offseason additions that I mentioned a little bit ago, and just like an offense that is full of playmakers with a quarterback that has not shown or proven anything in the league. And that's going to be Desmond Ritter, who I actually have as my breakout player for this year, because yeah. all this guy did in college was win. You know who else kind of won in college quite a bit and ended up Mr. Revelant and is doing pretty damn good in San Francisco? Brock Purdy. And I think those two. Um, have a lot more in common and maybe some people realize is that you know you kind of went to a lower level school that's usually not had a lot of success in the football world and you won football games with them and your coaches got all the attention for it and you know Luke Fickle just got a new job there in Wisconsin a lot and huge thanks to that is to Desmond Ritter because dude was a starter for what three four years came in yeah. back his senior year made some stuff happen helped him get into the big 12 as well still had some success there and now he's with the Falcons who have weapons on offense that he can distribute the ball to. You got Drake London, you got Kyle Pitts, you got Bijan Robinson. Like there's just there's guys on this field that can make things happen. And Algier last year, who was a running back, is also a pretty stud receiver or pretty stud running back mm -hmm. as well. That's gonna be a great con contribution to Bijan, who they might put in a Christian McCaffrey role where it's like, you know what? We're gonna put you in the slot here. And we're going to make some stuff happen with all these playmakers we have on the field. And that's going to put Desmond Ritter in a position to succeed. And if that happens, who knows what happens with the Falcons? Because they do love to run the ball and they do love to take advantage of their threats. It very much reminds me of what the Titans had when they were making some runs. And we're sitting here looking at them going like, oh, snap. Like, maybe we should put some respect on their name. So I'm saying this with Desmond Ritter and Arthur Smith that it could be a special year for Atlanta. I would like to see it. Honestly, I, I will probably find myself rooting for the Falcons and for Desmond Ritter. I, I'd like to see him be good. He seems like he's got a, you know, a pretty good kid, good head on his shoulders. You, you just root for guys like that. Uh, my yep. breakout player is going to be uh, maybe a little bit of a cheat one, but I'm going with Chris Olave. Uh, I love the Ohio State receivers. Like They always tell you, uh, don't scout the helmet. Unless that helmet is a Buckeye helmet and they play receiver. <laughs> then you just know these guys are going to be good. Last year, again, quietly, 72 catches, 1,000 yards, four touchdowns, 
I, I think that with Derek Carr, he's going to kind of establish himself as the number one receiver in that offense. And I think his numbers are going to do uh, – I think he's going to be much better. Uh, 90 catches, 10 touchdowns maybe. I, I think we're about to see a big year from Chris Olave. Yeah, I mean, I took him in fantasy last year, and it worked out very well for me. So mm-hmm. he's automatically got a fan in me because if I take you in fantasy with the hopes of like, hey, this might be a guy that kind of makes some noise, and you do, fan for life, brother. Yeah, same. Same for me. And my storyline coming out of the NFC South is just, are any of these teams good? Somebody is going to win the division, but are they actually any good? There, There's a lot of promise. I don't want to take the wind out of the sails because I feel like every fan base is like, maybe not the Bucks, but every other fan base – kind of sees something where they can get excited about it. I mean, whether it's Bryce Young or it's Dennis Allen and Derek Carr now for the Saints, or, and of course everything with the Falcons we just mentioned, is anybody good? Are we seeing the progress that you want out of this division this year? And I, I think we'll find out pretty early. Yeah, and for me, my storyline was who makes the biggest jump this offseason or this season with their offseason additions. You know, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you bring in Baker Mayfield, that quarterback. Does anything happen there, or do you end up going to Kyle Trask and saying, like, hey, yeah, you're just going to have to make do with what we got this season, go out and ball. The Saints with Derek Carr, the Falcons with Jesse Bates, and then you look at the Carolina Panthers with their rookie class coming in and, you know, a defense that has not been able to stay healthy, and if they can do that, what happens with them and how much noise can they make this season? So for me, it's really who just had a better offseason that translates into a better season uh, to a division that does not have a lot of excitement coming out of it. Okay, and let's jump down to the AFC South with the Texans, Jaguars, Colts, Titans. Winner on this one, I went with the Jaguars. I am believing in what they are doing, and they are going to be the topic of a lot of my picks today. Uh, Big Doug Peterson fan. I like what they're doing around Trevor Lawrence. It seems like they are going in the right direction, whereas other teams are not going in the right direction or they're just too far away um, like the Texans. So I think the Jaguars are going to repeat in this division. And I'm curious to see what they look like and if they've taken a jump in year two of Doug Peterson. Because I think this is a team that can win the division, but also I think they might be able to make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, you might overlook the Jaguars still. Like Cincinnati might have to roll into a division winner in Jacksonville and get upset. Or the Buffalo Bills. You're overlooking the Jaguars. You didn't win your division. Now you've got to go on the road and play them. And it's the same old Jaguars in your mind. And then before you Mm -hmm. know it, your ass is going home and Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars are advancing in the playoffs. Yep. I absolutely love it. For me, though, I, I wanted to be different. You know, I didn't want to keep it the same here with the Jags because I do have a love for them. And everything that you're about to say for the Jaguars, in this segment, who you pick, I completely agree with. Just me being different and adding a different aspect to the show here. For me, I went with the Titans as the winner, just due to the fact that, you know, there is still some talent on this team. Ryan Tannehill struggled last year. I know that you had an offensive line that was riddled with injuries. You had one primary weapon in your running back, Derrick Henry, and that was probably his worst season that he's had there and still ended up being a decent season for him. But, like, receiving weapons, you're relying on a rookie and some guys that just – really haven't had to be starters in the league, and your defense didn't live up to any type of success from the year before. And so for me, it's like, okay, hey, now they get another year to rebound, and Mike Vrabel's going to have these guys ready to roll. You have the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, which I think is just a true 
reliable target. I'm not seeing like a big difference maker with the, the addition of Hopkins to the Titans, but it's just the fact that it's going to be just enough of a difference to help this offense keep the chains moving uh, and keep giving Derrick Henry opportunities, which we know in the past is all he needs. Because at some point in time, he's going to stiff arm your star-studded linebacker, and he's gone. I've seen it way too many yeah. times. Right. I think every team has now because it's just been in the league for forever, it feels like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, going on to our division MVP, uh, I'm going to stay bold and I'm going to stay with the Jaguars. And this is year three in the NFL for Trevor Lawrence, but it's year two with Doug Peterson. I also think we see a big jump from Trevor Lawrence to where he might not put himself on the tier with guys like Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. But I think he's right there with them to where we start talking about him of, is he a top five quarterback in the league? I think we're going to see a really big year from him. I think we see 4,000 yards. I think you see 30 touchdowns. And I really am expecting a big year from Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. And most of this is stemming from Doug Peterson. Uh, but I, I do think that Trevor Lawrence wins this. It's just tough. Like Derrick Henry, you don't want to vote against him, but... God, eventually he will slow down. Mm-hmm. Like eventually Tom Brady will slow down. And that's it's got to happen sometime with Derrick Henry. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, who knows where he's going to play? <laughs> who knows how long he's going to play? So for me it was a no-brainer going with Trevor Lawrence. Yep, I also picked Trevor Lawrence, but just to throw a couple other names out there, uh, Travis Etienne, the running back for the Jaguars, Doug Peterson's come out and said a lot of big things um, about what Loved he's going to be like in this offense. He absolutely loves him as well, and, and I think it was a couple weeks ago, he's even like, yeah, this dude's going to get like 2,000 yards this season. And you're kind of sitting there like, what? Like, really? So if the Jaguars love him that much and he's going to be that much of a factor for this offense, which already has several other weapons, you know, we saw last year with Christian Kirk, Dude balled out. Zay Jones balled out, and now you're going to throw in Calvin Ridley and a healthy Travis Etienne. Like, <laughs> who, buddy? And within yeah. the rest of this division, I don't really know who else we could list as, like, a, a, a true MVP type of guy. Yeah, you're going to go with, like, a Ryan Tannehill bounce back year. Um, Derrick Henry maybe, like, but. Yeah, like the Colts and the Texans, they're, they're starting rookies. Anthony yeah. Richardson and, and C.J. Stroud. Uh, so, I mean, you're right. Like, who else? offensively are you going to go with? And that's why Trevor Lawrence was the no-brainer pick for me. Uh, Defensively, I am going to go with your Tennessee Titans and pick Jeffrey Simmons. Again, looking at it, and the the guys that are there defensively, uh, Jeffrey Simmons has been a little bit underappreciated, I I, I think, as far as maybe just like social media goes. Like he's AP second team. He's making the Pro Bowl. Like he's doing things, and he's playing very well on that interior defensive line. I had seven and a half sacks last year. I I think that he's maybe even a guy that can come in and be a double-digit sack guy this year. He's just the only reason he ever fell to the Titans anyway is because of an injury coming out of college. But he's a very impressive player. He's my defensive uh, MVP for this division. I like it. And for me, I went with DeForest Buckner, just a guy who kind of feels like he's being overlooked in Indianapolis a little bit. This was you know, a serious trade between the Niners and the Colts here for a guy like DeForest Buckner and pissed our guy Matt off. You know what I mean? It was like, why in the world are you trading this guy? You should have kept him. And it's making things work there in Indianapolis. Now it's just they need to stay healthy with DeForest Buckner and their new named linebacker, Shaq uh, Leonard, um, <laughs> which you know I became aware of two weeks ago. So 
pretty nice mm-hmm. to know that those are the changes there with the Colts defense. But I do think DeForest Buckner is still a big enough name and still a big enough presence on defense where he could make some noise this year, especially in this division when you're looking at a rookie quarterback for the Texans, you know, a beat-up offensive line for the Titans and maybe a lackadaisical moments from Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, you know. As much as they were a success last year, there was also moments of like, ooh, Trevor Lawrence kind of made some key mistakes there, but ended up there in the fourth quarter at the end where it mattered most. He made the right decision. So yeah. you never know with DeForest Buckner there. And then for my rookie of this division, we both agreed on C.J. Stroud yeah. uh, due to the fact that I don't really believe in Anthony Richardson if you're losing Jonathan Taylor because now everyone knows of, yeah, they're going to let this kid sling the ball. And you don't really have another running back that you can truly rely on. And so for me, that sets it up for C.J. Stroud uh, to just make things happen and let the kid ball out. I just hope he plays confident, and I hope he gets opportunities to play his style of football in a successful way instead of this is my offense, this is how it's going to run. Sorry if you can't figure it out. Yeah, it, They've got some pieces there, too. Laramie Tunsil at left Nico tackles. Collins. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, Laramie Tunsil at left tackle has been very good. Uh, Kenyon Green, uh, a guy that came out of, Texas A&M was a first-round pick. He should be solid at guard. Uh, Shaq Mason, Titus Howard, they've ha- they have some pieces on their offensive line where they should hopefully be able to protect C.J. Stroud. But then like they added Dalton Schultz this year. Uh, your guy, Nico Collins. We should see John Mechie be healthy. I, I would yes. love to see him have a big year, too. And then Pierce at running back, like he was solid. You have Devin Singletary, too. So this is where the Texans, they're making moves. They're just not there yet as a division contender for me. Yeah. But I had good enough moves that I do look at it and I say, okay, C.J. Stroud is going to be your week one, day one starter. And he's probably going to be able to throw for a lot of yards. If it's not C.J. Stroud, to me, it's his teammate, Will Anderson. Like, It's just so hard for guys to come in at that edge rush position and be dominant. Uh, but if anybody's going to do it, it could be Will Anderson. But I, I, I feel pretty confident it's going to be a Houston Texan. But I will roll with... C.J. Stroud is my rookie of the year out of this division. Perfect. And then for the coach of the year, we both agreed once again on Doug Peterson. I said at the beginning of this, like, hey, let's pick some. I'm going to pick some different guys. We're actually three of the same, so my apologies on that. (laughs) But, again, Doug Peterson being coach of the year. D'Amico Rines is another name that I probably should have mentioned into this. Just new coach in Houston. Mm -hmm. There's some – you know, you just pretty much went through their entire roster and what to look forward to if he can make anything happen there to where they're just winning ball games and the excitement and the culture changes happening in Houston. He could very easily be the coach of this, but I'm I'm rooting for a lot of success with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence being uh, year two together. Yeah, and then, um, like you said, I, I have Doug Peterson as well, and I, I think I've talked enough about it. I closet Jaguars fan I guess uh, breakout player is maybe a little bit of a cheat because he's probably already had his breakout I'm, I'm excited about Calvin Ridley though and what he can do again for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, he's a little bit older than I think people think he's 28 years old already but mm. he's been solid in the league uh, he, for a receiver it is or a podcaster thank you for clarifying oh interesting <laughs> Um, when he he didn't play in 2022, he played in 2021. But if you remember, it was only like five games, and then he had an absence where he was gone from the team. But uh, all the way back in 2020, he caught 90 balls, he 1300 yards, nine touchdowns. He's a great route runner. Like he, I don't like to buy into the videos coming out of training camp too much, but he looks fresh, and I think that he is what no. the Jaguars need. 
on this team. And I think that he's going to be the number one receiver with Trevor Lawrence throwing him the ball quite a bit. Uh, so he's going to, I think he's going to have maybe more of a resurgence than a breakout, but I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with Calvin Ridley and the Jaguars this year. Yep. And for me, I went with Traylon Burke's second year receiver um, out of Arkansas playing for the Tennessee Titans. I think the addition of DeAndre Hopkins is going to help him the most. Uh, one had to be a professional receiver, um, in the NFL, and then two, just one-on-one opportunities, similar to what we saw in uh, Pittsburgh when Antonio Brown was there with Juju, right? And it's like, okay, Juju's getting all these one-on-one opportunities. Let him just go up and body these guys and make plays once he gets separation. And then it happened with Chase Claypool, and now it's going to happen with George Pickens and Deontay Johnson when they go back and forth. But for me, with this division, Traylon Burks now has the opportunity to be in those one-on-one situations where Derrick Henry's getting the workload and running the ball. They run play action. There's going to be, you know, a bracket right there on DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of the field, and boom, there's Traylon Burks one on one, babe. We're going to put that. We're just going to put that sucker in the air, and we know Ryan Tannehill's willing to do it, and he's going to put it in a spot where only Traylon can come down with it. It happened again and again and again with AJ Brown. Why in the world is it not going to happen with Traylon Burks? Yeah, maybe you get Will Levis in there playing a little quarterback. Right. I saw that he got a lifetime mayonnaise deal. I, I guess. Yeah, lucky bastard. Good for him. I didn't realize how much I like mayo. I'm never going to eat it on my own or put it in my coffee. But I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've become a make my own sandwich, take it to work kind of guy. You know, with some Cheetos and then a granola bar <laughs> with some applesauce and then a little little Debbie oatmeal cream pie. And baby, that's we're a just giant gonna... lunch, dog. No, the hell it is. That's a that's an easy. It's one sandwich with three sides. Cheetos. Cheetos, there's your chips with your sandwich. You get applesauce, a granola bar, which is not very big, and then you got to throw a little dessert in there, bub. And you're drinking, you're just washing it all down with a nice cool water. But anyways, my whole point, I did actually. It's kind of making me feel bad. I don't even know where I was going with that now. Yes, I I do. I used to hate sandwiches, and now I've realized it's like okay, if you actually just have the right bread and use actual mayo. It makes a world of difference. Like farmhouse butter bread, oh, my God. You have a sandwich all night, and you tell me you don't like sandwiches. You're wrong. <laughs> Italian urban cheese from Subway, two to freaking lube. We got some butter bread up in here, yeah. and your boy is eating. And you cut it in half, it feels like double sandwiches. <laughs> it's like Embarrassing moment. You know, I'll, I'll throw myself underneath the bus here. Of like, hey, you know, when you guys make sandwiches for lunch, how many do you have? And you're like, one. I'm like, what? A sandwich. You're having a, you're having a sandwich for lunch. I'm like, I'm at least having two. And you're like, why? I'm like, well, you know, like you got to get more lunch meat on there. And you're like, put all in one sandwich. I'm like, that's too big of a sandwich. You're like, that's the point. Noted. So now that's what I do. Hashtag growth. Yeah. Sly wants yeah. to know how long is your lunch? Like 90 minutes. <laughs> I make it 90 minutes. My God, it's been miserable <laughs> lately, speaking of work. <laughs> I get an hour hey, left, so I come I'm, home. <laughs> yeah, okay, keep talking about how it's miserable, your hour-long lunch. I'm back to school this week, <laughs> 20 minutes. That is, no. that is the time that is scheduled. And I walk my class down to the cafeteria. I drop them off. Then I would have to come back down to my classroom, eat, and then go pick them up again. It's impossible. I, it's, I love what I'm doing. I'm so glad that I'm back in the classroom. I really enjoy it. <laughs> why are we making these kids eat in 20 minutes? Yeah, and you I guys are always wondering, like, man, why do you eat so fast? I didn't have a freaking choice. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't eat, I didn't get to eat again. It wasn't like, oh, I got snacks in the classroom. I didn't bring my lunch. My mom said no. Right. Right. 
Uh, yeah, so that's talking lunch with Mellow and Big Country. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, Will Levis getting a lifetime deal with Mayo. That's how we got on this topic. I've, it's crazy how quickly we just derail. <laughs> I've started doing um, grilled cheese sandwiches with mayo for instead lunch? of butter. Uh, not always for lunch. Only if I'm at like oh. home. But like that's when I use mayonnaise or mayo. I, I'm good either way. I know some people are picky, but try it on your grilled cheese instead of using butter. I, I think it's better. Hmm. It's better than butter. Oh, also, people are a, a little bit worried for you just because it. maybe Jonas followed you to your new crib. What do you follow me here for? What are we missing? There's a lot of ruckus in the background. Also, it, Yo, that's it, my it looks dog. Like, He's it eating looks like his there own might be someone behind you. Yeah, I, I wish there was. Kill me now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you manage a classroom of 20 students. We can talk about this off air, but like, yeah. With any, my we'll talk sense of humor and personality? Yeah, sometimes that doesn't strike with people older than that age, especially when they're <laughs> exactly. older than you. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, they might just day, joke their uh, way into retirement. I'm sitting there all alone. It's like, ha, 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 who's laughing now? I'm, I'm like three days into this school year, and this one kid talked about how uh, they're into dragons. Like, it, I guess it's a show, dragons. I don't know what it is. I just wanted to make inappropriate nuts jokes <laughs> uh, about dragons. Uh, like, I had a Facebook memory pop up today, and I had completely forgotten about one of the situations, but it was a tweet of mine that was like, hey, what's it like to work in an office with Mello? And there was a moment where you you asked a question about something, or you said something, and then it was just like, oh, hey, do you know there was this deal at Arby's, you read me the entire promo. And then this was the moment that I was legitimately laughing out loud about today, where we're sitting there, and now that the story popped up, I remembered it, but we're sitting in the office, we're on our laptop, scrolling social media, I'm sure, preparing for the show or whatnot, just finished it, and I just hear this loud, like... What the heck? And I look, uh, or you you take that big sniff, and then you say, man, I love the smell of metal. And I look up, and you have a fucking hammer directly underneath your nose, and you take another big whiff of it. And it's just like <laughs> that image alone is just immediately going like, is this in a classroom full of sixth graders? And they're all sitting here going mm-hmm. like, I don't understand this math assignment. My teacher's up here huffing a hammer. Like, it's just hilarious. To me. I don't know why I did that because I don't even like the smell of metal. <laughs> I'm just weird. Like I, I'm, I'm a very, very day. weird person. And tomorrow is going to be a great day uh, at the middle school that I teach. Tomorrow I'm wearing jorts, jorts to work day. Ooh. What? Uh, so I'll, I'll be rocking my jorts, uh, my Crocs, and a Hawaiian shirt. So, Man, the calves are out, baby. Thursday. These kids ain't the <laughs> yeah. kids ain't ready for those calves. They're gonna be terrified, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's happening tomorrow at the middle school. Pretty exciting times. Exciting times here on the podcast too. Uh, we do appreciate you guys joining us, putting up with our nonsense and picks that are probably just gonna be inaccurate. I, we're two weeks <laughs> away from me saying that Trey Lance was gonna be the breakout player. Um, Maybe he will be. Maybe they'll trade him to the Rams or something like mm. that uh, when Matt Stafford gets hurt. That would be hilarious. I would go back and clip everything about Trey Lance having a breakout year because everybody has given up on him. And mm-hmm. maybe rightfully so. Like if, if Sam Darnold's beating you out as QB2 and Brock Purdy is QB1, 
it's the ship maybe has sailed on, on Trey Lance, but we'll see. Uh, we do appreciate you guys joining us on the podcast, though. We'll be back at it. Uh, only one division left, which means football is right around the corner. We have the, the AFC and NFC East for you guys next week. But we appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you all next time.